Thank you for listening to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast from Asheville, North Carolina. For more information on Trinity Baptist Church, please visit tbcashville.org. Or to learn more about our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton, please visit ralphsextonministries.com. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton. Well, uh, I thought it might be appropriate this Sunday morning to talk about uh, what is truth and where uh, we get our foundation, where do we acquire our knowledge of truth. And especially with uh, another election cycle going on and the reports of fake news and fake news stories, is there a true source of truth? Is there a trustworthy place to go? to determine what we believe and why we believe it. One of the things that we mention in church is to uh, be honest to your faith. How do you decide what to do and how to do with the power of your vote? And one of the reasons that's important is that if you are a person of faith, then you should be able to vote for people that would represent you in your faith. And we have had a change uh, in the way our own federal government approaches this issue with the repeal of the Johnson Amendment. And that allows pastors and churches to now be able to say that you can vote for the person of your faith. I think the 11th District is a good example in our congressional race this year because we have multiple people of faith running. And that's what you want to see happen. You want to see people with good faith, morals, and values wanting to serve, that spirit of serving. So, uh, but I, I thought it'd be good for us just to step back for a moment and look at the world for just a second. In one week, it seems like that our world has melted down. Not just the financial markets, but even everything from what you see happening in the uh, areas that our friends are from and the Arctic areas, you see there's a change taking place globally, physically, financially, and spiritually. And we're a part of it. The nation of Australia has been on fire the last few weeks. Hong Kong, like a city-state in today's world, has been in rebellion. We've had the country of Yemen launching Iranian-made cruise missiles into the refineries of Saudi Arabia. We've had Russia and Turkey working together for a while. Then their bromance broke up this week, and now they're at odds with each other. Syrian soldiers this week killed 39 Turkish troops. And Turkey opened the border this week to punish Europe and now another flood of refugees is coming out of the south into Europe. Israel is facing its third election in 12 months. Talking about an election cycle, they've got their third one. America just went through an impeachment process in our own country. England just pulled out of the European Union. And what's going on in Africa? while we're all following the biblical plague of locusts that's now got 26 million people in danger of famine because the food crops 
are being destroyed. And seemingly, the world is tottering on the edge of a, a biological pandemic, an invasion of a coronavirus that's uh, affecting nations literally around the world. With our confidence shaky in men and government and institutions, with the foundations that have worked for decades seemingly gone, where do we find truth? And how do we get help for our families? How do we acquire some type of comfort and strength? Our situation as a people, citizens of the United States, is no different from the same dilemmas and crises that other people are facing in Europe, the Middle East, or even in China this morning. What is real in the geopolitical world? What is genuine? Is there a phony world of maps and lines? Or is there a real world of faces and people? Who can you trust? Who speaks with trust? The primary last night in South Carolina and Super Tuesday this week, we're all a part of the political promises that are made every four years. And would there be found this Sunday morning any truth in any of the promises that have been made? As people of faith, I think that we ought to remind ourselves that we have a different foundation when it comes to looking for truth. And that foundation is found in the Word of God, that there really is a truth, there is a foundational truth, whether it be the proofs of archaeology or whether it be the proofs that you have now in the, the geography of the land, or the greatest proof of all is the restoration of a little nation that did not exist for 2,000 years, but in May 14, 1948, that prophesied nation in the Word of God became a reality. And the prophetic clock began to tick again for the nation of Israel. Now, the Bible is the Word of God, and the Bible declares in John chapter 1 and verse 1, notice how it phrases itself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was all right, so in the first part of that verse, the beginning was the Word. That's the Godhead. That's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. The second part of that verse, and the Word was with God, well, that would be Jesus with God. And then the Word was God, and that will be Jesus is God in the flesh. Now, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, it says that we have also a more sure word of prophecy. What those men saw up on the Mount of Transfiguration with the divine revelation and the appearance of Christ, they said more exciting and more promising than what they witnessed was the fact that you could hold your Bible in your hand. It says, as the light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star that's Jesus, arise in your hearts. Now, we know that Jesus is referred to as the morning star, but what would be the day star? Well, you see stars at night when it's dark. That's when you can see a star. But a day star is so bright, 
You can see it in the daytime. Our sun is a day star. It's a star that we're able to see during the daytime. So we have the truth and the confidence of the Word of God. We have the truth that the Lord Jesus is the living Word of God. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh and did what? Dwelt among us. It became reality. And then it says that we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And then I love this phrase, full of what? Grace and truth. That's where you're going to find your truth. Now, your Bible is made up of 66 different books, 66 documents, written over 1,500 years, a period of time. And yet there's no controversy, there's no, there is no contradiction, and it's like you got all those guys in one room, but yet they were not even in the same generation. And they were grouped into two testaments, uh, 39 books or documents in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. And they were recorded by prophets, priests, kings, leaders, all from the nation of Israel. In the ancient language of Aramaic and Hebrew for the Old Testament, and the New Testament was recorded by the apostles, that's those who lived and served with Jesus Christ, and their associates. Now the Old Testament opens up with creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes and continues through time till about 400 years before the birth of Christ. Then we pick up the 27 books of the New Testament. And they major on the life of Christ and His death, His burial, His resurrection, and the prophecy that He's going to come again. 25% of your Bible is prophetic. One-fourth of this book is prophecy of things that will happen. So we have what? We have the truth of God's Word. Where do I go to find truth? I can trust my Bible. And think about this. God had the Dead Sea Scrolls hidden there at Qumran. And think one year before Israel becomes a nation, 1947, a shepherd boy, a Bedouin. He's walking through the desert looking for his sheep and goats that had gotten away. He throws a rock up into that cave and he hears it break, a piece of pottery. He thinks he's found treasure. He climbs up there, but rolled up in that pottery are skins. And it's the skin of a scroll, a lamb skin. And he takes it down, takes it to his daddy. He cannot read. His father cannot read. So they think, we'll make a pair of sandals out of what you found. And then he finds another one. And then they take it up to Bethlehem. And there the grandfather of Shibli Kando, who is a friend of my father, he brings the scroll to him. And guess what he's got in his hand? He's got the book of Isaiah. He's got, he's got all these scrolls. And in those Dead Sea Scrolls, they have found every book of the Bible but one. Isn't that amazing? And that one book they didn't find was Esther. And I've got a feeling it was made into a pair of sandals because they, they didn't know what they had in their hand. But if I take the book of Isaiah there, uh, it's been in the Rockefeller Museum and now the Museum of the Scroll, and I unroll it, 
and I lay it out. It reads verbatim to my translation in the King James Bible that I have in my hand today. It reads verbatim, word for word, phrase for phrase, because God preserved His Word that we would have confidence in the Word of God, that you wouldn't have to be afraid to trust it or to believe it. So that gives you truth that uh, historically and then also with the uh, very fact of archaeology and geology and geography, all the elements that made that up. And today, Tuesday we'll fly over, Wednesday I'll get on the bus and I'll open my Bible and I will say, this is Mount Carmel. This is Caesarea by the sea. This is Banyas. This is the headwater of the Jordan River. This is the Sea of Galilee. And I will use a book that is 2,000 years old to be my roadmap this week in the Holy Land because it's truth. You can believe it. I can go to Mary's well where Jesus got water with his mama and it's still there today. You can still enjoy it. I can still go to the Pool of Bethesda. I can still go to the Mount of Olives. I can still go to Mount Zion. I can still go to the Temple Mount. Do you understand? God preserved his word so that when there was a lot of confusion in the world and you're saying, where can I find truth? You can go back and be comfortable in the word of God and knowing it is truth again for this generation. You don't have to be afraid to trust your Bible. Secondly, not only do I find truth in the word of God, but I find truth in the Trinity. And that's an important thing because a lot of people misunderstand the Trinity. Let me read you two verses out of Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, this event happened at a geographic location that we'll visit next week. It's called Bethabara. It's south of Galilee. It's right below the city of Jericho. And it's on the border, the actual river Jordan. And you can throw a rock from Israel over to Jordan. And that's where John was baptizing when Jesus left Nazareth, went to Galilee, comes down the Jordan River Valley, and this is where John the Baptist declared, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. He was baptizing when Jesus walked up. Jesus says, John, baptize me. John said, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And when he baptized him, look what happened. We have the Trinity in these two verses. We've got God the Father, we have God the Son, and we have God the Holy Spirit. Now, John 1.17 declares, The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is in this passage. He is the one being baptized. So John is physically holding Jesus in his hand, and he's putting him under the water. When he brings him up, there's a voice from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And then the dove the Spirit of God comes by. So I have the physical body, I have the Spirit, and I have God. Now God said He's invisible. 
That's why he sent Jesus. We wouldn't understand the office work of God the Father. So I've got God the Father, I've got God the Son, and I've got God the Spirit. Three in one. You say, do you have three gods, Ralph? No, we have one God. But he demonstrates himself in three distinct personalities. You say, that's impossible. How could you be three and yet be one? And be one and yet be three? All right, let's take a molecule of water. H2O, a molecule of water. If I freeze that molecule of water, it's a solid, right? If I melt it, it's a liquid, correct? It's still H2O. And if I boil it, it becomes a water vapor. It's a gas. So I've got a solid, a liquid, a gas, and yet it's H2O. And so if we can do it in the laboratory, I bet you God can do it in his power and his presence to demonstrate himself in three distinct personalities. I love a good country breakfast. But I don't go into the restaurant and say, I'd like to have an order of shells, yolks, and whites. I say, give me an egg. I want an egg. I want some bread. I want a biscuit, a toast, or whatever. But I want an egg. But yet that egg is in three distinct parts. It's the shell. It's the white. It's the yolk. It takes all three to make the one. And so what God is showing is that even in nature, we would understand that God presented himself that all of you could understand that when Jesus came to this earth, he did it so we would be able to believe and to be able to understand. So I have the truth of the Word of God, then I have the truth of the Trinity. But now here's the interesting concept. And Scott, I was working on this the other day, on the element of the fallen nature. You would think about what God is saying in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. I was literally born with Adam's blood. So Jeff, if I think about it, I can't help myself. I cannot redeem myself. I cannot will myself to be good because I am born with a nature that's already damaged. It was damaged in the fall in the book of Genesis. And so if I'm born with this fallen nature then I obviously am going to need a Savior, Jesus the Christ. Jesus was born in a miracle. He had Mary's body, a virgin, and it says that the Spirit of God moved upon her. And so if you know anything about biology, the Father is the giver of the blood. So Joseph did not give the blood for Jesus. The Father gave the blood. So you have the miracle there of a sinless birth. And Jesus is that sinless Christ, the Redeemer. And because of that, we know that when sin entered into the world and comes in the Garden of Eden and the nature's fallen, then from that point on, every man, woman, boy, or girl that's born on planet Earth has a fallen nature. They cannot redeem themselves. They cannot save themselves. You say, well, I'm going to will myself to be a better person. I'm going to turn the leaf over to the other side. It will be just as corrupt on the other side. It's just as bad on the other side. You cannot manufacture the righteousness that we need. It has to come from an outside source. A famous attorney in our country, David Horwich, he just wrote a book called The Dark Agenda. He's not a minister. He's not a pastor. He's not a theologian. He's a brilliant lawyer. But he wrote about the fallen nature. 
And he wrote about it in the environment outside of a religious service. Not in a synagogue, not in a mosque, not in a temple, not in a church. Outside, outside, stepping outside of religion. He wrote this. I want to read to you what he wrote. He said, injustice is not caused by an abstraction called society. As we have maintained before. Nor was injustice caused by oppressive races or genders or solely by political enemies. Injustice, he writes, is the results of human selfishness, human deceitfulness, human malice, envy, greed, and even human lust. He's saying outside of a church that the problem with society is not society. Listen to what he wrote. Injustice is the inevitable consequences of our free will as human beings. Society is not the cause of the injustice. Society is a reflection of who we are. When we see the society that we're living in and we see what men are doing to each other and how we're conducting ourselves and the cruelties of people, then it's a reflection of what's wrong inside of men and women. David is saying in his writing that we're born with a fallen nature and we are in need of redemption. Alexander Solonitsyn, who was so brilliant in his writings, he confirmed David's saying by writing this phrase, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor even between political parties, but right through every human heart and all human hearts. He's saying that the problem is in the heart of men and women that do not have living faith. And he's right. It's not a political party. It's the fact that we need a righteous Savior. You see, if we're not careful, we'll be caught up in a progressive mission to save society. But the Christian belief that you're building your life on and you're serving on is that it's not to save society, but it is to save individual souls. And when individual souls get saved, they change and they change society. They change the world that we're living in by living the Christian life. And the imperfections and the suffering of the world are the results and the acts of individuals who have failed to do good or have chosen to do evil. So if I look at that from a biblical worldview, then I realize I cannot redeem myself, I cannot save myself. I've got to have living faith. I've got to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So I've got the truth of God's Word. I've got the truth of the Trinity. I've got the truth of a fallen nature. But let me give you this one before we go home. The truth that I need a Savior. The truth that I need redemption. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10. The Bible declares there's none righteous, no not one. In Romans chapter 3 and verse number 23, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12, it says, Wherefore, 
as by one man sin entered into the world. And death came by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that what? All have sinned. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. Look what the word of God says. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not of our works. We can't boast in our righteousness. We've got to boast in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that you would understand today what Romans 5 and verse 8 says. For God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. Christ loved me before I was born. Christ prayed for me before I was born. You say, well, I'm not sure about that. Well, God's sure because he's so sure he gave his only begotten son that who would ever believe upon him should have life eternal. Romans chapter 10. Think about this. Verse number 9. That if thou shalt, here it comes, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. How complicated is that? How hard is that? That I believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That the Lord has the power to forgive my sins and to make me a new creature. It says, for with the heart... Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall what? Be saved. So we have the truth of God's word. We have the truth of the Trinity. We have the truth of a fallen nature. And we have the truth that if we'll call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, He'll save you and He'll make a new creature out of you. And you can have that peace today. Now listen to me carefully. We talk about faith and family values. We talk about human responsibility. The Bible teaches clearly that we're to be salt and light. We, we do gifts and we try to do charitable deeds. But all of our good deeds, that won't save me. That won't, redeem, that, won't, that won't give me favor with God. It's not a religion that I need. It's not a ritual that I need. It's a personal relationship that I need. That I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And with that knowledge, then I can live a happy life, a peaceful life, a fruitful life, and then I can know that my name is recorded and that one day I'll be with Christ for all eternity. Amen. The hope and the help that we have. So in the meantime, he said, while you're on earth, Ralph, occupy till I come. Well, that's a military term. It means to be proactive, not reactive. It means that you are to do good deeds and to help and to do all that you can. Faith without works is dead. So that's what we do but we're not saved by our works. We're kept by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when you are salt and light, look what happens. Why did he say two things? Why did he tell the church to be salt and to be light? Salt is to be a preservative. 
when we begin to corrupt internally with, with scandals and sin and thievery and bribery and we sell the government and we sell positions in office, he said, you need to be, you need to be sought. You need to tell the truth. You don't need to be a liar. You need to be sought, be a preservative. Be that staunch person in your life that you're a person of faith. Then what was the light side? The light's to be the witness that you can have joy. You can know Jesus Christ. So salt is to be a preservative. Light is to be the witness. And every believer here, you are to live in that faith. Love the Lord. Love Him first. Trinity Baptist Church cannot redeem you. Trinity Baptist Church can't save you. But we can give you a place to meet, to fellowship, to work together, to be a disciple, to grow in grace. And you know that you pass from death into life because you do what? You love the brethren. That's why we spend a lot of time on fellowship. Because we believe you ought to express that joy that's on the inside. I'm glad I'm part of a family of faith. And I'm glad I've got a local church to be a part of, a place to call home. Now then, what do we do when we go out the door? Well, we're in here to worship. But we go out the door to serve. And how do we serve? By being salt and light. And one way to serve is Tuesday to go vote. Be responsible. Vote. Take an active part. Represent your faith in the poll. Find the candidates that come closest to what you believe and be salt and light. Pray one for another and try to bring peace to a country that's in turmoil. We need to find peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you think about the people that are in church today people that are watching on television, people that are listening on the radio, people that are joining us on the internet, and they've got all kinds of problems. And their life's in turmoil. And they need help, and they need hope. And we need to be able to tell them, there's hope in Jesus. There's someone that loves you, and we're here to meet your need where you are today. Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for our church. We thank you that we can meet today to worship you in spirit and truth. And Lord, if there be one listening today to the sound of my voice that doesn't know you in the free pardon of sin, but they'd like to trust you today, I pray this will be that very day. Lord, whether they're listening on the radio or watching on television or maybe on the internet and they've never had that peace, I pray today this will be that moment of decision that they'll believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. With our heads bowed and no one looking, is there anyone in the main auditorium that say, Pastor Ralph, I've been looking for peace. I've been looking for help in my world of turmoil. I need the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to invite him into my heart today. Would you just slip that hand up for prayer anywhere in the building? We want to pray with you. God bless you. Is there another one? Thank you. God bless you, young man. Thank you. Is there one to say, Pastor Ralph, I used to walk with faith with the Lord, but I've gotten away. I got busy with school, my career. I'm not living close to the Lord like I used to. God spoke to me today. I realize with a world coming unglued, I need to be a person of faith. Pray for me. Would you slip that hand up for prayer? God bless you. 
How many Christians today would say, Brother Ralph, I'm praying today for my family, praying for my marriage, my children, I'm praying for my church, and I'm going to be praying this week for my country. We need the Lord. Would you slip your hand up? God bless you. Father, you see the hands and you know the hearts. Do a mighty work of faith. Plant the seed, God. Plant the seed deep in someone's heart today that they need Jesus Christ for all eternity. I pray, Father, that you would bless every family represented, every mom, dad, grandparent, teenager, young adult. Help them with the problems of life. God, do for us today what we're unable to do for ourselves. And we'll give you praise in Christ's mighty name. Amen. And amen. Thank you for being with us today. I pray that today God spoke to your heart. You know, it's one thing to hear Ralph talk. It's one thing to hear a choir sing. It's one thing to hear a group bring a special song presentation. But it's altogether different when you're sitting there in that hotel room, in your house, maybe listening on your phone while you're at work, and God speaks to your heart. That's not me. That's not a Baptist, a Methodist, or a Presbyterian church. That's God. That's personal. That's you. And the Bible teaches quite clearly that when God touches your heart, when He speaks to you, that you can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This Bible teaches that all of us have to have Him. You say, well, Brother Ralph, your dad was a preacher. My dad being a preacher couldn't help me. Well, you say your mama taught Sunday school and she prayed. That couldn't help me. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, not me, not the Baptist, the Bible says that there's none righteous, though not one. Today is the day of salvation. You can begin anew. It can start over. The past can be covered by the blood. You can get out of living in your rearview mirror. The guilt, the problems. God can forgive you and you can start over today. You say, Brother Ralph, how is that possible? Well, a simple prayer is that very beginning. God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. And I promise you, God, from this day forward, I'll serve you with the rest of my life. You can begin again in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you call us, you write to us. We'll send you a copy of the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to get into a local church, a church in your community, that you can have a fellowship of faith that will help you grow and teach you about the Word of God. Today's the day of salvation. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Let's serve the Lord together and let's meet each other in heaven. I'll be praying for you and I ask you to pray for me.